You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards, and Taylor Polendo. Have you ever been in a situation in disbelief at the mistake that you've made? How could I have done this, you might think? What is wrong with me? Have you ever said something that you regretted? I know I have. It flies out of my mouth and I think to myself, how could I have done this? Let's face it, we all make mistakes. And the question becomes, after those mistakes, what do we do now? Sometimes people even forgive us for those mistakes. But what if we can't forgive ourselves? Is it the fact that we can't receive forgiveness from another person? Or is it because we punish ourselves? Well, today we're going to talk about both of those ideas. Let's start with talking about receiving forgiveness. Think about weak moments. Maybe a time where you drank too much or said too much or maybe even said too little, where you've prioritized yourself over a relationship. In those selfish moments, we can feel we don't deserve forgiveness, even if it's being offered. Sometimes receiving forgiveness can be hard to do. It involves work, the same work we identified in offering forgiveness. Again, we draw upon the work of Enright and colleagues. They tell us that we have to begin the process by uncovering what happened with the offended person. For the offender, seeing this hurt might develop patience, as well as help to change the offending behavior. Now, it doesn't mean forgetting. It means holding space for the injuries, the misunderstandings, the offenses that have to be dealt with. We acknowledge the wrongdoing, not because we're dwelling on it, but as a way to move past it and receive forgiveness. In the decision phase, they recommend that we make a decision to receive forgiveness. It's important to combat that feeling of not being worthy, you know, where we feel like we don't deserve it. But Enright says there's a distinction between feeling you deserve forgiveness versus being worthy of receiving forgiveness. If you and I commit a transgression against another person, it's true. We don't deserve forgiveness. But as a human, we're worthy of respect and goodwill. And in this phase, we make a decision to receive forgiveness because all humans are worthy of respect, including you. In the working through phase, they recommend that we do the work to process the emotions. It means stopping the negative talk. It means not worrying anymore. It means not trying to earn or hustle our way into forgiveness by explaining or justifying or even overthinking. It means to feel the feelings and process the emotions so that you can find a pathway out. It means to get free. In the discover phase, we gain new insights and move toward release. Enright recommends that we exercise patience and respect. Think about it. We can't demand that other people forgive us. Even if we apologize, we can't demand it. So we need to be patient. And if we're offered forgiveness, we can receive it and accept the cancellation of our own debt. Our last topic is forgiveness of self. Hawker and Wilmot describe not forgiving self like locking oneself in a room. And inside that room are negative emotions associated with shame. You're locked in the room while the rest of the world moves on. Sometimes they say people stay locked in a room for a very long time. But why? Self-preservation? Safety? It might seem safe, but the reality is the room isn't safe. It's full of self-punishment. So how can we manage to forgive ourselves? Well, again, we apply the model of Enright, but this time it's an internal process to forgive self. 
Remember that in self-forgiveness, you hold the key to the jail cell you occupy. We start with uncovering the harm. Enright and colleagues have shown us the pathway to self-forgiveness is to get specific about it. It's not just a vague feeling. It needs to be examined. Uncovering is to do the research and hold the space. It doesn't excuse the behavior or condone it. It identifies it specifically. In this process, we make an intentional decision to stop punishing self. We focus on loving ourselves and understanding that self-resentment isn't productive. Instead, we give ourselves compassion, generosity, and kindness. Do you struggle with self-punishment? Sometimes I do, and I feel like I'm giving myself what I deserve. But if we do that, it traps us in the room. So we have to decide to stop punishing ourselves and step out of that room. Now, of course, we have to work through the emotions and become aware of the self-punishing and take steps to work through it. We have to strike a balance between understanding that certain behaviors must change while also understanding our self-worth. We don't make excuses for the behavior. We stop ruminating. We stop worrying. We get realistic about the emotional aftermath. As we move through new discoveries and realizations, we let go of the comparisons of who we are compared to who we want to be. We let go of feelings that we aren't enough, feelings we're unworthy. We let go of defining ourselves as the offense. And as we begin to understand the details of the transgression and the associated feelings, we begin to understand our own suffering. And it's through that understanding, according to Enright, that we begin to extend compassion toward ourselves. So we can see that receiving forgiveness and forgiving self can be very challenging. So let's talk about these important issues. Okay, I have some questions. I'm confused. I've got beef with this one. I don't know if I'm getting hung up on words or, or what it is, but I don't get this receiving forgiveness piece, how it really works like with someone else. So we're going to talk about reconciliation. That's different. Mm -hmm. But let's say we're not going to reconcile in this relationship. Mm -hmm. You've done something, you've offended someone, and it's not a relationship that is going to continue, but you want to receive forgiveness. I guess I'm confused because what if they don't offer forgiveness? Like that doesn't necessarily stop you. This part is not that you're you're wanting to receive forgiveness. This is forgiveness. They've given it to you, whether you deserve it or not. And you have to take it out of their hands and receive it just like a compliment we receive or whatever. So there's some people that will still stay locked in a place. They've been forgiven, but they won't accept it. And is that different from just forgiving yourself? Hmm. I don't know. That's an interesting question because maybe that's what holds you back. That's interesting. Yeah. To me, in receiving forgiveness, it's not actually on the other person at all. It really comes back to apologies. So apologizing is similar to the receiving forgiveness phases of uncovering what happened. Like the first step with apologizing is explaining the violation so that they understand you know what you did and it's not diminishing it in any way or excusing your behavior. And when we talked about apologies, it was all about the other person and it has nothing to do with you. Like you don't, you're not asking something of them. So you're offering repair and you acknowledge responsibility. So say they're offering forgiveness, but whether they do or not, that doesn't stop you from your own journey of having to forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. Because what if they don't forgive you, but you still wanna receive forgiveness? Mm -hmm. or they do, 
it comes back to like, I think receiving and giving forgiveness are individual practices. I think you're right. So is there no such thing as actually receiving forgiveness, but it's just about giving forgiveness and then forgiving self only? That's what I'm wondering. (laughs) Yeah. I think what we're observing is this overlap between the process of receiving forgiveness and forgiveness of self, because they're both highly internal. To be able to process them requires that we have to do a lot of self-reflection and, and work, actually. So I think that's why you're making that comment, is, is how I'm hearing it, is because those overlap so much. Right. So let's think about them individually, and then we can kind of talk about them collectively. Receiving forgiveness, this is in the case where you've done something. Yeah. Someone has truly forgiven you, like it's authentic, real forgiveness. Some people will just dwell on it and not ever move past it. They get stuck. Who's who's the some people, the receiver of the forgiveness? Uh-huh. So some okay. people say, I'm not worthy. I did this horrible thing. I'm just not worthy of, of receiving it. So I'm just going to not receive it from you. Thank goodness the healing doesn't depend upon it. You know, the person who does the forgiveness, they're free. Mm-hmm. We can do it on our own. It takes nothing of the other person. Right. They're not in jail anymore. But we can keep ourselves in jail related to that other person. Mm -hmm. So one thing we talked about that might help clarify it. Do you remember us talking about seeing ourself and the other party only in light of the transgression? Mm -hmm. Yes. The transgression was the way we defined us as a relationship. This person not receiving forgiveness is choosing to still define themselves related to the transgression. Oh, so instead of defining the other, the transgressor, you're now defining yourself as this you did this thing and that's who yeah. you are now. Yeah, even though the other party's forgiven me, so they've d- they don't define themselves related to the transgression anymore. I'm keeping myself on the hook. It has a strong overlap with the punishing of self. What it really comes down to is forgiving yourself. I think so. Because I think that we could forgive ourselves even if the other person didn't forgive us. So mm-hmm. we could receive forgiveness and have it not offered to us from the other person. So that's where I see them yeah. as individual things mm-hmm. because it doesn't require to give forgiveness, doesn't require anything of the person who offended you. Mm-hmm. And I would think that receiving forgiveness wouldn't require anything from the person either because you could do the healing and the changing and offer the apology and restitution as much as you possibly could. And maybe you've changed and received your own forgiveness, but they may never offer it. So you can still receive forgiveness without anything from the other person. I mean, as we relate it to reconciliation, that won't work. But as you said, said, when we're not in relationship going forward, we have to let ourselves off the hook. Right. Now, off the hook doesn't mean not looking at the details, not taking responsibility, repeating the behavior. That doesn't mean that. We're in charge of that. I was just going to say a little bit of my fear with this area is that just some people can just move on. Like they can just say, oh, well, I made that mistake. And some people are more quick to forgive themselves than others. I don't know if you've ever had something like that in your life, but I can think of people where I'm like, okay, you forgave yourself real quick, but that person wasn't even anywhere near forgiving you. Yeah. And, And I get that like it's an individual thing, but Sometimes I think people need to sit with it a little bit longer, you know, and I think that's the struggle I'm having with this. It makes me wonder if it's actually forgiveness or it's just denial. Hmm. If you don't spend much time and it's a big transgression, it sounds like denial to me. You basically are going to spend your time outrunning it. That's what I see people doing. They do a big transgression. 
they say, I'm going to just let it go, or I'll just be quick with forgiveness or brush over it. And then they're for the rest of their lives trying to stay ahead of that problem. They're out trying to outrun it. Or they feel so bad that then it becomes about them. Yeah. But then at that point, that's not, they're not forgiving themselves. Like we're talking about a completely different thing. Right. Right. But let's say they did forgive themselves. What it sounds like is we're kind of wanting punishment. We want them <laughs> to sit in it a little bit and then be punished by their actions. And I guess that that's my error because I definitely live in the world of self-punishment and thinking that I need to do that to myself when I've wronged somebody. Oh, like, I, I, like I feel like that's something that I need to do to then get to my self-forgiveness. Like I can't just get to self-forgiveness. I have to punish myself first. Hmm. Totally. Same. I don't know why why we do it. Do you do it, Tay? I... I don't know how you mean like punish yourself. I ultimately just want to be like a very good person. So I, anytime I fail, I have very high standards. And I think we'll get into that when we get to criticism <laughs> that I have very high standards of myself and others. So I have an extremely hard time moving on when I have failed mm. um, and not attaching doing something poorly or have done something bad to my identity, making me a bad person. Mm -hmm. I do struggle with that, but I don't necessarily know what you mean by punishing, like just thinking about it all the time or not moving on from it or kind of getting depressed. Like what, how do you mean that you punish yourselves? What's an example? I think when I can think of a person, I'm always trying to make up for it. Every time I talk to them or every time I interact with them, I'm trying to make up for the wrong that I've done. Because I can think of one specifically I've been working on with Tommy, which is I think I'm engaging his conversation because by instead of just saying, mm-hmm, I'll go, oh, yeah, or or have an interjection. But to him, it feels like I'm interrupting him. And I hate it. Like, it eats me up inside. Like, I feel like I interrupt somebody that's important to me. and It makes me feel really bad. And he is just, like, quick to move on and be like, okay, you get it okay, let's, let's keep going. I forgive you. And it's a small offense. Right. But I like when he's talking, I'll like intentionally, like, just be like talking to myself, like, you better just shut up, Meredith. Just like, don't make him feel like that again. Like you're interrupting him. Be quiet. And I'll be talking to myself like that. So negative talk is your punishment. Yeah. I guess that's probably one. How I self punish is over ruminating. Yeah. I could do that too. There's introspection, which is like examine what's gone on and understand it. Maybe analysis would be another word there. But when you're stuck spinning, Mm -hmm. that's, in my opinion, the rumination where you're just, you can't get out of overly thinking about it. And then you have the residual negative feelings. So it's sort of like thinking bad thoughts and feeling bad. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, I do that. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, you do something. I was like, come on. Be no. worse than me. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, because I I find myself thinking that a lot. I care a lot about what people think, the people who are close to me, and I'm constantly going to my partner, asking, "Oh, what did you think of this? Did I offend them? Do you think?" And I spend so much time kind of spinning out, and he he is not like that at all. And he's like, "You're like way overthinking this," and I don't think they read into anything about that. But I'll like fixate on something like, should I apologize? Do I need to do something? I don't know. Maybe they're offended. Do they even do they even notice it? Yeah. Anyone listening to this who's an overthinker, someone who dwells or overly ruminates, we got you. <laughs> We're working on it. I think it's actually maybe part of the reason I over explain myself. 
because I don't want to offend someone so badly that I'll over explain something, giving too much information mm-hmm. because I want the other person to, I don't know. You want to just shape their perception of whatever it is, right? So you over explain, but the problem is sometimes over explanations are just trying to outsmart the possible offense. Mm-hmm. If I explain enough, then I'll get myself out of this or you'll understand enough so that I'm clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The word I kept thinking about was one that Brene Brown uses, which is hustle. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we we hustle in order to try to earn the forgiveness and it's a negative practice. So we've maybe had that someone has even forgiven us for something that we did. So maybe we were late or maybe we put the knives the wrong way in the dishwasher, which I did today. So I'm going <laughs> to ask your forgiveness for that right now. Uh-oh. <laughs> I put two intentionally down just knowing that I would have to, to confess it to you and accept your forgiveness if you're willing to offer it. I think sometimes people do an offense and then they want to try to make up for it by hustling in another way. I know I hurt your feelings on this thing I said, so now I'm going to make the bed, do the dishes. I'm just going to hustle and do all these other things Mm -hmm. to try to get like extra credit, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I talk about a lot in my classes. I always say you don't want to manage your relationships on extra credit. Mm -hmm. You want to actually pass all the tests and the quizzes actually earn the points. Mm. Someone taking my class, sometimes people will say, well, I didn't turn in most of the papers, but I want to know if there's extra credit at the end. (laughs) No, they really do this. And I'll say, so the thing was you were supposed to do the papers. Yeah. (laughs) There's not enough extra credit to actually give you credit in this relationship or this class if you don't do the regular points. And I think that sometimes I hear relationships where people are constantly in that extra credit category, always trying to do, I screwed up and I didn't do the actual work of the relationship I needed to do. So now I'm gonna keep pumping the extra credit. I'm not against extra credit, but I don't think it's a way to live. Yeah. Isn't the phrase that she talks about, it's like hustling for your worthiness or something, right? Which is something that you were saying in self-forgiveness. It seemed, it seemed so simple. You said, decide to stop punishing yourself. So it's just like a decision. <laughs> yeah. And great. then have three things for yourself. Be compassionate, generous, and kind. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you calling bullshit? Like, uh, you do that. Let me see you do that in practice. <laughs> but then it's interesting because I really like that you brought up Brene Brown with this because doesn't she also talk about that in terms of being someone that's a helper? That if you say that you don't judge other people for needing help, but you judge yourself for needing help, then you're a liar and you actually judge people for needing help. Yeah, true. So that made me connect this. Oh my God, maybe that's about forgiveness. I genuinely feel I am quick to forgive people because I I know we're not supposed to wait forgiveness, but I feel like I've forgiven very heavy things in my life. Yeah. So uh, most things become easier for me to forgive and and move forward if I want to maintain the relationship or not. But then I get really hard on myself for forgiving myself. So then it made me almost pause and go, hmm, well, am I really moving through the Mm -hmm. full cycle of forgiveness with others? because I can't do it with myself. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, holding ourselves up to a standard that's different. We wouldn't hold other people up to that standard, perhaps. Oh my gosh, I would be so sad if someone I love was talking to themselves the way I do about the subject to myself. Yeah. Mm. 
But then I don't know how to stop. You're like, just decide, just decide to stop punishing yourself. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Um, no, I, I don't know that it's just decide and then move on to the next one. If you make that decision, then your decision is to start processing it. I don't think it's, oh, I decided and it's a yes. So it's the same thing as if you decide to go to counseling, you decide to go to counseling, but you still have all the counseling to do. Yeah. You said it's who I am versus who I want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was huge. And I, I love it and I hate it all at the same time. What do you love and what do you hate? Well, I, I want to accept who I am right now. Mm-hmm. I, I want to grow. Yes. I want to learn more. Yes. I want to evolve in this life a hundred percent. But when I need forgiveness or when I've offended or hurt someone, it really challenges accepting myself where I am right now and getting to the place I want to be and feeling like I am not enough because I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. Instead of just working through that journey of getting to forgiving myself. Oh, yeah. There's a difference between this ideal I hold myself up to and how it plays out in reality. We can give ourselves a lot more grace and release if we remember that all of this is a rough draft. It's not like we plan them out and they're, they go perfectly. Mm-hmm. Can- and certainly you've had that where you planned an interaction and like two turns into the interaction, you go, wow, this is 100% not going how I want. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Do you guys have examples of where you've forgiven yourself and you finally got there? One of the things that comes to mind is something I've been working on the last year and a half is not taking one thing I've been called to be kind of an all or nothing person, really struggling as a new mother. If I do something, I don't respect. Mm-hmm. I can't like differentiate an entire title. You see it as defining you. Yeah, completely. Or assigning value. Yeah, completely. I, I just attach my identity so much to one action. And it's really hard to battle just letting go of this one. So you messed up today, okay? We we yelled louder than we wanted to yell. And <laughs> we expected a two-year-old to be something other than a two-year-old. But yeah. I just can't separate the identity. Even if us who knows you were to say that you're a good mother, I feel like the way that and you tell me if I'm wrong, but the way I think that you punish yourself is you talk to yourself in a way that's like, but you weren't there to see that thing in me. So how could I believe that? Yeah, completely. Because it's almost like if I'm not in that darkest moment with you, I can't call it out. Yeah. And it just brings like a ton of shame. Yeah. Yeah. Enright and their team likes to come back to this humanity argument. Yeah. Saying all of us have our dark moments. And all of us put on the pretty faces when we see each other a lot. We don't get vision into the weaknesses that we all share. And that's how they come to the place saying everyone deserves forgiveness. Everyone deserves to let go the self-punishing. Everyone deserves a level of humanity. Hmm. Yeah, I literally was watching a Marvel movie. and Please relate this to a Marvel movie right now. (laughs) Black Widow says, the worst thing you've ever done is not who you are, and I wouldn't hold it against you. Hmm. Yeah, because you never did that Hmm. to me is what she's saying to her friend. Hmm. She did. She related it, actually. Apparently, she's got a dark past. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking for me, something that I regret is when I say something harsh or hurtful. 
I don't know if it's because I'm a speech teacher. I care so much about speech. It's like a big friggin' deal, you know, yeah. what, how we talk. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, shouldn't you be better than that? You've had a PhD for all this time in this subject, you know, and you can hear the shooting, the self-shooting comes in there. For me, I, I had going back to the idea of, of trapping in that circle that never, you can't get out of the ruminating, then I'm just replaying the event and for me, that's where I get into the self-punishing because I'm just going to replay, 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 but I never resolve it. Mm. I have to challenge myself to say, you can replay it, but you have to replay it at some point to where you do something with it. So you're going to be mad about it. You're going to be happy about it. You're going to not do it next time. You're going to apologize. And for me, I get stuck doing nothing, thinking of the negative thoughts. And I'm very good at, at remembering and replaying interaction. That's what I teach and think about all day. If you were to look at it as an outside observer, you would see me not making progress. Hmm. And that's the marker, I would say, is the big thing in self-punishing. I've been thinking a lot this week about self-punishment and the image of being like locked in a space for so long. I could think of a moment where I've had to forgive myself for not better protecting myself. Hmm. It's like I should have done better in that place to protect me. And so now that I didn't do that, I can no longer trust myself. Yeah, this is called the secondary wound. What happens is you have the first time you're offended. Let's say you let someone get violent with you. Hmm. You decide you're going to forgive this person. That's resolved, but not the memory of it, because we've talked about that. Mm -hmm. That would be the functional way of doing it. Sometimes people say, I'm not going to think about it. And then they get themselves in the exact same situation with maybe a new relationship partner who now does a violent act against them. And what that person has now is the secondary wound. They have the first wound of the of the assault, but they have the second one, which is I can't trust myself. Mm -hmm. I can't believe this is happening. I didn't see it coming. How did I get myself in this mess again? Yeah. For me and this vague example that I'm giving, it, it puts the <laughs> onus on me to forgive myself for something that wasn't even my fault in the first place. It's a very unique way of beating yourself up. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's like sophisticated self-punishment. Yeah. Kind of feels, I don't know if I can kind of relate of feeling like I should have known better. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I feel stupid in that situation. And then that comes with shame. Yeah. But it's really not your fault. And I hear that a lot from individuals that I work with who say that about dating relationships, they'll have something that's very negative and then they'll get into a new relationship and they'll say, I cannot believe I'm back in this same mm -hmm. exact cycle problem, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Somehow you should have known. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you should have known or not. It is important, of course, to be alert, especially regarding something that might be a recurring pattern. But that's easy to say and very general to say without an example. Yeah. So do you have examples that you can think of of people who haven't forgiven themselves? I'm thinking of someone in my life that I think to protect somebody and then I think in her eyes failed at that thing and so can't forgive herself for not being better at that, even yeah. though it wasn't her fault anyway. Yeah. How do you guide somebody to forgive themselves for something like, I don't know. Yeah. And these transgressions get big. While you're talking, my mind went immediately to harm to a child. But that's a hot one for me. And I can feel myself get angry pretty quickly in that category. Mm -hmm. 
has anything ever happened to you as kids where you had to forgive yourself? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because you do really dumb things. <laughs> Super encouraging. <laughs> Everyone out there, it's very sophisticated. You do really dumb things. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I did something really dumb one time. It was around when we were doing swim and, and tennis and different high school sports. And it, sometimes it's just easier to buzz cut for swim season, <laughs> you know, because you're, you're in the water so much or to keep it really short. So we had one of those clippers things and we would do it in the backyard. And I was talking, and this was when one of our children was, I want to say a junior in high school, maybe like in a point where your appearance might matter. <laughs> and I was talking and not paying attention to which part of the attachment. Oh no. And he wasn't looking for a full buzz cut. And you got one. And I pretty much took off like four inches of hair just down the center of his head. Oh no. I was like, oh no. And now I'm forcing him into a buzz cut, right? He wasn't going for that look. It was totally my fault. I wasn't getting one now. <laughs> he was actually nicer about it than I was to myself. I was like, I can't believe I was talking and not paying attention. So I was thinking to myself, now what if someone makes fun of him? That's my fault. What am I doing? And I don't mean that like harm to a child because I didn't harm him, but mm -hmm. I did something stupid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but parenting's full of mistakes, I think. I always say to our kids who are adults now, I know you're going to counseling. It's just I'm trying to reduce the number of sessions you're going to need after you do this. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> so I know you're going, and I know we have totally driven that up, but we're going to try to reduce the number of sessions. Oh, my God. Um, that's good. Yeah. I don't know. We all do stupid things. I Sometimes I get hard on myself when it's very preventable because I think you should have just been on top of it more. Should have. This is something the Kreiser family struggles with right now. We live in a neighborhood where you can't park out on the street in certain places. Uh. It's so preventable to take the car from the street and put it in the driveway. It's a $50 ticket every time from our association. What? Uh. No, it's so stupid that we keep getting them. What? No, it's just like, really? Stupid that they exist, okay? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> We sometimes set alarms, leave notes. Sometimes we still don't do it. And there's another $50 ticket. Way to go, Kreiser family. And it's not one of us. It's all of us. But it's very preventable. Oh, yeah. I can relate to that with street sweeping. The year I moved to Long Beach, I think I got 11 tickets. <laughs> That's the city of Long Beach really benefited <laughs> from you. Oh, my gosh. I feel like with self-forgiveness, I do really struggle if it's something preventable, something simple like that or if it's a repeat offense. Mm. Yeah, the repeat one's hard. Like there's no excuse at that point. Which didn't, I guess we didn't learn the lesson, but I thought we did. Yeah. You could still learn the lesson and do it again. <laughs> well, clearly. <laughs> with <laughs> with street sweeping, for sure you could street do that. Street <laughs> sweeping 11 times, I think. It's insane, dude. <laughs> it's like a month's rent on street sweeping. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a, quite a record. Well, I, I left the city. I can't handle it. <laughs> can't read a parking sign. Oh, girl. You know, it's fun to joke about and all that, but it's it's a pretty serious area where we can get stopped. So whether that's progress of the relationship or whether that's just mental health. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that concerns me at this point in our history is mental health isn't so high. People are struggling. This is something worth really thinking about.
that idea of you're the jailer. You're holding like you're holding your own keys kind of thing. You're holding the own the keys to your own cell. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting visual to leave us with and say, are you holding the keys to your own progress? Mm. And you're in the jail cell you occupy and you're also holding the keys. And if we can figure out a pathway out of that, that can really help us. Mm -hmm. Don't beat yourself up for knowing you have the keys. Yeah, I mean, we can. Um, because I can I can hear that and it's a very, very powerful image. And I think, oh my gosh, yes, I, I can. I need to unlock that thing in me. And then at the same breath, I think, so I've now imprisoned myself. Like I've now like trapped myself. Tacked on something else to feel bad about. Something else to like, just be upset with myself about. Yeah. It's like I carry both of those things at the same time. Mm -hmm. On one hand, I, oh my gosh, it means I'm that much closer to that kind of serenity in myself if I could just walk out the door of that feeling of being trapped, you know? I don't know that we walk out the door, but I think we start figuring out where the keys go and what work has to be done to unlock that cell. I'd say let's reframe it and see how empowering, like you hold the keys. Mm -hmm. You hold the keys. And then there's still work to be done. Yeah. But I like the image of it. And I think if anyone's listening and struggling in that area, there's some hope there. As much as we talk about guilt and worry and self-punishing, let's not forget all the positive things that can come out of this, which is hope. Mm, yeah. As we think about self-forgiveness, it comes down to the choice we all have, what to do now. The truth is that you and I hold the keys to the challenges we find ourselves in. And it comes down to clear thinking, challenging conversations with ourselves and others, and doing the emotional work. It's tough work, but work worth doing. It's about getting healthy and getting free. Next week, we conclude our series on forgiveness and reconciliation, and we invite you to join us for a special episode on reconciliation featuring Shardasia Lede and her extraordinary journey reconciling with her imprisoned father. We can't wait for you to hear it. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast, and thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.